Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. The temperature dropped to minus 16 degrees this past week. It snowed and it rained. When sitting at home or in an office, it's easy to forget that there are people living unsheltered in these conditions. The coldest night of the year is a walk held in Port Hope designed to raise money and to remind us what it's like to be homeless, especially in the winter. Event director Phil Redford will explain what is happening this year as the group tries to raise money and awareness about those who are struggling. Have a listen. I'm so pleased to have with me today, Phil Redford, the event director for the coldest night of the year for Northumberland. Welcome back to Consider This. Thank you so much, Robert. It's a pleasure to be back. Let's not get too far down the road before we talk about what is the coldest night of the year. Absolutely. Uh, Coldest Night of the Year is a a national walk for -for not-for-profit organizations, much like ours, the Greenwood Coalition. Uh, It takes place uh, usually the third weekend of February every year, and this year it will take place on the 25th of February. Uh, The beauty of it is that uh, with 170 plus locations, the awareness is increasing, uh, and we raise funds in each of our communities that actually remain in the community. Uh, Greenwood Coalition has been the beneficiary of a partnership with Coldest Night for many years now, approximately 11 years. It's now my fifth year. Uh, And we walk directly with people who unfortunately at present time are experiencing hunger, hurt, or homeless. And uh, as I say, the beauty is that the funds raised stay right here with us to operate so many programs that we've done over the years. Can you tell us about the local walk and its history? Uh, It's been around here uh, for about 11 years. It was uh, first begun as a response to the growing problem, or at least at the time, the perception of a growing problem uh, of people experiencing what I was just talking about. Um, And Greenwood uh, Coalition, in conjunction with Grace Church at the time, uh, with a pastor, Jeff Knott, uh, decided to sign on. Um, it started, you know, very small and very slowly at first, raising, I, I believe the first year was somewhere around $12,000. So it's certainly grown more than tenfold since then. 
Uh, but it was a way of securing some funding with a partnership that provided a platform that we can use uh, without having to create it ourselves. It's really a peer-to-peer, team-based approach. Over the years, uh, we began to realize that this was not only a way to raise funds, but also to raise awareness because of the platform provided. So really, over the years, it has grown remarkably. Uh, you know, I, I believe we started with as few as about 18 teams. I, last year, we had 61 teams. We hope to hit the 70-team mark this year. So it, it's it's really grown steadily, and so has the awareness. I began uh, approximately five years ago with a partner, uh, Judy Hone, who was just a remarkable director and trained me so well. And, 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 you know, a big shout out to Judy, because I, I've been able to carry on. And I think largely due to, you know, the eminence of social media, we've been able to reach more and more people and establish more and more partnerships. So, you know, Judy's training led me to sign on as co-director about five years ago. And uh, three years ago, I took over as director. And and we've been moving steadily ever since, as well as, you know, the team of incredible volunteers, team captains, walkers, businesses, and, and, you know, politicians, all of that support. There has also been an incredible support of a team that really works in the back. Uh, you know, when when Judy and I started off, we did it all ourselves, you know, two people frantically driving around and, and uh, you know, running ourselves ragged many times. Uh, but the interest has grown such that now we, we have a team of, of, of fully seven or eight people who, who are out, you know, on the husting, so to speak, and, and really, really committed to, in fact, what I believe, you know, really walking directly with folks who are unfortunately experiencing these issues. Now, in terms of the the logistics of the walk itself, is there anything different from last year? Uh, No, other than uh, the virtual component of the walk is here to stay. That seems to be popular amongst folks who, you know, initially were perhaps a little reluctant due to COVID, but also, let's face it, it's a time of travel for many people. I've already corresponded uh, with teams of walkers and some of the walkers will not be available on the 25th and they love taking advantage of the opportunity to walk in a place of their choice and and to, to function that way. Having said that, however, our numbers of walkers have grown to the point where where we've almost outgrown indoor venues. Um, So I believe that that this year as well, our outdoor venue is here to stay. Last year, when each and every walker was given an opportunity to respond to a survey, we had almost 70% response which is which is unbelievable and one of the main things that that 
people were drawn to was the fact that this was a, now an outdoor venue, giving people not only the chance to gather outdoors in safety, but also, you know, part of the whole idea of the walk is to experience cold feet, cold fingers, and, and to have some inkling of what it must be like to experience that 24-7. And really, that's the whole meaning of the walk. So there won't be any significant changes that people will experience from last year, both the start and finish from 10 Robertson Street in Port Hope, uh, which is now Epic Gym and once was the old Canadian Tire Store, is intact. We will be leaving from there. And that satisfies one of the second things that people indicated in uh, their response to surveys was that they loved the fact that we were showcasing the town, walking along the river and gathering together in a manner that, that could you folks could cheer us on up Walton Street and, and other areas. So we're going to maintain that. So this survey, what else did you learn from it? That's a fantastic question. One of the main things is that when we go out, say, door to door or business to business, we're no longer consumed with taking care of explaining exactly what coldest night of the year is or what Greenwood Coalition does. The awareness piece is there. In fact, it's been so refreshing to visit past sponsors, walkers, team captains, and instead of what are you doing, I'm, I'm receiving word that, oh, we figured we, you, we'd see you soon. You'd be along shortly. So really through the surveys themselves, we've learned that the commitment of this community is just unbelievable. The, the, the entire community of Northumberland, literally from Port Hope through Coburg to Brighton, all through the north of the county, the awareness is there. Uh, last year, we, we had the pleasure of a wonderful team from Alderville First Nation. And, and it, it just the fact that not only are people aware, but they're noticing. They're noticing their families, their friends struggling. And I don't think, Robert, that there's a person around these days who hasn't either seen it directly or know someone as a friend or a family member who is touched by the unfortunate circumstances that so many things are causing for them. And, and, and we really feel that in order to to, to facilitate a way out of this, it needs to come from the grassroots of the community. You're never going to do it from the top down. I wonder to what extent now economic factors are playing a role this year, um, especially in, in what you just described, the need. I mean, we've watched inflation is at record highs. We know that, you know, just look at go to the grocery store and the prices of groceries, gas, another thing. I mean, I even spoke to the food bank just before Christmas and they were saying they've seen a 61% increase in use over the last year. What, how are these factors playing out as you're going out into the community and you're talking about raising this money and who it's for and how it works within the community? 
give us a sense of what the conversations are like and where the concerns lie. I can tell you, Robert, quite honestly, that the very first question people are asking me is, what can we do? Not only in terms of financial donations, but the overwhelming number of people this year are, are not only giving financially, but are also asking, what do you need? Do you need food? Do you need clothing? How can we support those people who unfortunately are experiencing this in our community. So it, it's not just, oh, let's just write a blank check and perhaps this will go away. It's a much more detailed questioning of how can we help? I'm really very, very truly finding out that, that people are interested in making a difference, not simply feeling better about themselves, because let's face it, sometimes the, the, the middle class does like to feel better about itself, but it's gone way beyond that. I believe that people notice now that the, the, the ranks of people who are experiencing these difficulties go way beyond just the traditional approach or the stereotypical uh, person on the street. We have people desperately calling who have jobs, who are working, and literally were living out of their cars. They, they cannot afford rent, or if they perhaps can, they're eating less. They're paying more for their heating. And these things are compounding. And, and as I as I said earlier, I don't believe that anyone now can honestly say that they are not aware of this. Now you raise the money, and the money goes to Greenwood. Can you help us understand what programs are that they have that are directly helping people to cope? But where does this money go to, and what is it doing in the community? That's a great question. First and foremost, um, it goes, in particular, the money from Coldest Night of the Year uh, goes directly into program support, our physical and street outreach programs, working directly with people where they are. It also goes to support our therapeutic garden initiative, to support our therapeutic archives, as well as our harm reduction programs and our addiction recovery programs. None of the money raised from coldest night of the year goes directly into administration. It is all program support. And this year we're particularly excited because we've joined forces uh, with the Sleeping Cabins Initiative, which is now uh, an affiliate of Greenwood Coalition and a good portion of the money that is raised through coldest night of the year will also go to support the sleeping cabin uh, initiative, uh, of which people seem to be aware because I'm getting lots of questions from prospective uh, team captains and walkers regarding what's going on with the sleeping cabins. What are they asking you? They're asking directly are we affiliated with them? And do we support them? What do we have to do with that? And I can 
proudly say that yes, indeed, we are affiliated uh, and we are working directly with them to provide uh, sleeping cabins, uh, to uh, lobby the council in Coburg, uh, to uh, grant space at the Memorial Arena. We are working towards raising uh, funds for uh, a washroom and shower trailer, as well as a food trailer. So we work directly in conjunction with the sleeping cabins initiative. There's a lot that you're raising money for. How how do you decide? I mean, you've had these traditional programs that have been offered and built on that you've historically done, and now you've got this new initiative. How's the money going to be divided up? I I I mean, are those programs like how does yeah, how does the money get divided up? That's, a, again, a great question. Uh, we do not make distinctions in terms of percentages that might go to particular programs. So the four pillars that I described uh, regarding our outreach and other programs receive an equal share. Uh, this this one event does represent about 30 to 35 percent of our operating budget. So we are able to allocate these funds in a way that does not ask one particular sector to suffer at the cost of another. Uh, and, and that's why it's so important to raise these funds, because if we're going to build a community based on the assets and strengths of the community, we need to treat them equally. Uh, you know, no, no human being and no human program is necessarily more human than another. How many people does this money that you raise help? Do you have any idea? Um, it, it often helps people in, you, you know, in various different ways. One of the ways is absolutely directly. But there are also spinoff benefits, because if we can gather people into community and work based on strengths from the ground up, not only are we providing services, but we're providing an awareness of the dignity of the individual themselves, who can then become people who donate themselves and give of their time. One of the most remarkable things is that the, the many, the dozens and dozens, hundreds of people that uh, whose lives Greenwood has touched often come into the fold and help others. So as I say, I mean, directly, yes, we can assist and help the, the people who are directly affected. Now, does that mean we can put a permanent roof over your head immediately? No, but we can assist, we can meet you where you are, and we can really provide the kind of basis of community that does much more than simply putting in stop gaps. But the actual number, I mean, do you, do you help a hundred people a year, a thousand people a year? Like how many people do you actually help in a year when you raise all this money? I, I'm just curious. 
Oh, it, it's hundreds. We, we, we certainly, uh, just through our archives uh, alone, we have dozens of people who attend them and who really flourish and, and come out of themselves. Uh, the harm reduction programs that we, uh, we do really impact a, a great number of people. And I believe that we have a really solid position in the community. How many people have signed up so far? I mean, can you tell me a bit about the teams who have, have signed up thus far? Absolutely. Uh, th this year has been just so encouraging right from the outset. Uh, we are up in every category. Uh, we are uh, at 25 teams already at this point, which is remarkable. Uh, with 73 walkers that is uh, that that is fully seven teams more than we had at this time last year many more walkers most notably however we have already 94 donors which is almost three times as many donors as we had at this time last year uh, we've we're currently uh, coming up on the ten thousand dollar mark uh about 9600 so far again which is about 2500 more than we had uh, raised last year so the groundwork is there uh and, and and really across the country the number of locations are up even in the united states there are now 22 locations so th this coldest night of the year is really growing and we we are no exception we 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 really are overwhelmed by the response. And as I say, the first question I get asked is, what can we do? How much money do you hope to raise this year? Now, I know last year you aimed for 75000 and you you surpassed that. Uh, I think the year before that, it was 100000 And I understand this year, 90000 Is Do I have that number right? Yes, 90,000 is our goal in conjunction with Blue Sea Philanthropy, which is the overarching corporation for coldest night of the year. We have kind of prodigiously set our goals. We don't want to set them so high that they may seem interpassable, but we did raise over 125,000 last year. Uh, I certainly hope we do the same this year, in particular now that we've taken on an affiliation with the sleeping cabins. It, it, it really is such a wonderful and, and necessary addition to how we treat treat these issues. And, and I must say that the response from local politicians, from businesses, has just been overwhelming. Uh, as I say, we, we, we really are up in, in so many categories. And, and we're, as I say, we're, we're cautious. We, we, we raise it incrementally each year in terms of the goal, in particular, because as, as with so many other not-for-profits, what do you do about COVID? What, was, was that anomalous or was it in, in, in fact uh, a real increase? So we're, we're, we're a little cautious, but, but we're so encouraged. From a participant's perspective, what is it like to be involved? 
Oh, I can I can speak to that with personal experience. I'll never forget the first year I was involved as a walker, uh, and uh, I was not a team captain, but I I was a walker, and I managed to raise some money, and I was just amazed when when I arrived at the Port Hope High School and and saw the commitment of so many people. I I just had an overwhelming sense of community and an overwhelming positive sense of being able to accomplish something. Walking with the other walkers in conjunction with our wonderful team that just did such a fantastic job of, of promotion and, and satisfying so many different aspects of the program. I was floored and, and I, you know, I, I guess I can say I drank the Kool-Aid and uh, I, I really feel that many people feel that this is really from the ground up. This is a community rising with peer to peer, shoulder to shoulder, really trying to make a difference. And that's what came through. And I can tell you that I get so much response from previous walkers who wait for this every year, who tell me, oh my goodness, we've been expecting you. And, and yes, absolutely, we're going to set up a team again, uh, even to the point where people get quite protective of their toques uh, and, and have entire collections uh, of, uh, of, of the famous coldest night of the year toques. And, and uh, I, I too have uh, quite a collection of each toque <laughs> that I, I cherish. From an organizer's perspective, what is involved in putting all this together? Oh, my goodness. That's a great question, Robert. It's a phenomenal amount of work. Uh uh, over the summer, I generally attend uh, organizational meetings, mostly by Zoom, uh, to uh, get acquainted with new programs that uh, the coldest night of the year parent organization may be running and set the groundwork for what's coming in the next year. Uh, through September and October, we we arrange what is uh, called a pre-launch. So we'll reach out to various people. I'll assemble my team, uh, both volunteers for the route itself. Uh, you know, there's a whole team of volunteers that take care of everything from emails to social media to photography to media awareness uh, to interviews such as I'm doing uh, and, and just an enormous number of of things that need to be established before the official launch in December. So we're very busy in particular through November, uh, updating all of the email uh, callouts, updating any new information we need, familiarizing ourselves with the dashboard that uh, Blue Sea Philanthropy provides, which by the way is phenomenal. Uh, and we pour over these things in preparation for this. Uh, then, you know, at the beginning of December, we send out literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails, calls. Uh, I have a wonderful email team uh, working with me of, of, of some very dynamic uh, people. So this takes the efforts of, of an awful lot of people. So really from September right through to March, I'm very busy. <laughs> Why do you do this? Oh my goodness. Uh, 
Yeah, Robert, I volunteered all of my life. I, I, I suffered some trauma when I was young. Uh, I've been working since I was 14. I've been volunteering. I was a big brother. Uh, I've been on many boards and I've spent my life volunteering. And really the volunteer experiences are among the most cherished moments of my life. I, I think that we need to stand up and put our money where our mouth is. Many, many years ago, somebody told me, you, you seem very angry about these things. Why don't you try to do something? So I did. I really believe that a community is not built from the top down. It is not built on rules and regulations that are so stiff that we provide barriers for things. And I've, I've committed my life to, to helping in whatever small way I can to make a difference. Besides raising money, how effective is this event in educating people about homelessness in the community? I think it's extremely effective. First and foremost, it is an opportunity for people to really feel, and, and I mentioned this before, but to honestly feel what it's like to spend hours in the cold, let alone days. About halfway through the walk, one feels one's toes freezing, one's fingertips. And I think in that way, through that action, it spurs people to really honestly reflect on what it must be like to wonder where, when, and how you can get warm. When, where, and how you can eat your next meal when, where, and how the next bills are going to be paid. And I think it causes people to reflect on how they can actually personally make a difference. Because I think people are becoming disenchanted with, with our political machinery and some of our institutions, which simply don't seem to be flexible enough to change in the manner that they need. So I think this is really a, 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 an aid in a groundswelling uh, uh, of people who finally realize, yes, you know what? I can make a difference. It's a very small thing. I can give some hours of my life to start a team, get some donors and enjoy a walk knowing that I can go home to a warm, inviting place. And that really makes it. I, I can't think of a better way to accomplish that. If someone's listening and they want to get involved, how do they do that? Oh, it's it's very easy. Uh, through the years, the platform has become very, very user-friendly. Uh, through the Facebook sites, you can access it immediately through hashtag CNOI23. Uh, you can access it through our website, cnoy.org slash porthope. It will bring you right to our website page. The icons are very large. Join a team, donate register. So it, it's remarkably simple. There's no need for paper registry. There's no need for the paper signing of a waiver. It can all be done online. Having said that, 
Should there be those who prefer the the paper uh, trail? Uh, we're happy to provide that as well. People are welcome to come on the 25th of February at four o'clock and even register in person if they like and, and sign a waiver and get ready to walk. But it really isn't necessary. It's so easy to uh, to sign up online. Everything is, it is, you're coached through the whole system of it. They've even got an icon that you can use to email all your friends and 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 bug your co-workers for <laughs> for donations. Bill Redford, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh, thank you so much, Robert. As last year and the years before, it's just such a pleasure to to speak with you. And I really appreciate this time. That was Phil Redford, event director for the coldest night of the year, in Northumberland. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in. And I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.